Hello and welcome to the Analytics Edge, sponsored by NetSpring. The Analytics Edge is a podcast about real-world stories of innovation. We're here to explore how data-driven insights can help you make better business decisions. I'm your host, Thomas Dong, VP of Marketing at NetSpring. And for today's episode, my co-host is Vijay Ganesan, co-founder and CEO at NetSpring. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Vijay. Great to be here, Tom. Really excited about this episode. Uh, Sackett has got a really deep and extensive experience in this space. And Asana, obviously, everybody knows it's a great brand, great product. So uh, I'm uh, very eager to hear his opinions. Today's topic is self-service analytics, and our guest is Saka Srivastava, CIO at Asana, a software company that helps teams orchestrate and organize their work. With international experience spanning Europe, Asia, and North America, and experience across multiple verticals, from energy to banking, hospitality, and high-tech, Sakit has broad perspectives and an impressive record of delivering cutting-edge data and analytics solutions. Sakit, we're delighted to have you with us today. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Thomas. Nice to meet you, Vijay. That was some generous introduction. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, great to have you on the show, Sakit. Uh, looking forward to this. So Asana's business model combines aspects of both product-led and sales-led growth, making data critical to how Asana makes product and sales decisions. Supporting the business with self-service tools to unlock insights from that data is a key aspect of the digital employee experience he is responsible for as CIO of Asana. It's how he personally drives productivity, agility, and growth for the company. Socket, let's start with how your 20-plus year career journey has taken you to your current role as the CIO of Asana. Sure. So I've been at Asana for about a year and a half now, and uh, I've been a CIO at other places as well, a long-tenured IT career. Started my journey with an undergrad and a postgrad in computer sciences, worked for very large companies, started with more professional services, transitioned into uh, IT leadership roles as well. And so I've been with companies like General Electric, IBM, Fujitsu, Symantec, and uh, some very modern companies like Square, now Block, uh, Guidewire, uh, and now Asana. And uh, uh, just enjoy the, the work that we do uh, here at Asana, motivated by its mission and uh, uh, looking to move the company forward. Recently, you defined the role of the CIO as first involving the prioritization of impactful tech investments and secondly, balancing organizational efficiency with growth. What are some of those tech investments every CIO needs to be thinking about today and why? So we're going through a very interesting phase with this macroeconomic climate that we are in. And uh, every CIO that I talk to engage with, including obviously my priorities that I'm navigating at this point in time, it's really a lot about how can we drive efficient growth? How can we focus on growth, but by removing the surplus, the excess that we have? and pivoting and redirecting all of that towards the growth initi initiatives. It's also all about the CIO function, not acting as a back-end function, an engine in the back, but more in the front as a business strategist, uh, someone who has a seat, that seat at the table, driving direction and strategy for the company. And for all, all of that, data is front and center. So that's how I sort of look at my role. And those are things that I'm prioritizing. So, Sakit, you mentioned uh, data being very central and uh, data as a key challenge. Um, and uh, Sana, from what I can tell, you're a very data-driven organization. Talk to us about that a little bit. Now, what, what makes you 
data driven how have you become successful at being data being a data driven organization how are you leveraging data in your business so asana is a consumerized enterprise software company for for very long we at least in as it leaders the enterprise software that we've been experienced with are softwares that do the job but no one really loves it no one really likes it asana is different and there are some companies like this right which means that these are companies that individuals and teams and functions try out and they love and then they sort of their their usage expands broader within the enterprise uh so that's sort of the product led motion wherein the product itself sort of acts as a a sales vehicle for for the company so so obviously when a product is speaking for itself in many ways and 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 acting as a sales vehicle on our end we're collecting a ton of data as well we're collecting collecting a ton of data around how we what we do is adding value to the customer what can we do more that will add value to the customer so from a product and a customer standpoint that's clearly a focus from a data standpoint understanding how our customers are using a product and thinking about how our customers will get more value from our product from an internal standpoint also collecting data and uh, from from the different parts of the business and uh, seeing how can that be leveraged the insights that we gain from that how can that be leveraged to again serve our customers best through serving our business and functions giving them the insights and the capabilities so that they can serve our customers best um so i i do feel that asana is a data heavy data rich data mature company wherein uh, uh all our key decisions rest on foundations of data and insights and analytics that we built over the years second you mentioned something interesting consumerized enterprise software company or consumer oriented enterprise software company and and this is something that uh, we hear from a lot of people right we are an enterprise software company but we want the same experience that people have in uh, in consumer applications and that's a becoming almost um a requirement to be successful and asana has done a great job about that uh, on that and this is something that's top of mind for a lot of enterprise software companies how do i make my product just as appealing as a tiktok or any other you know consumer app that people are so used to so what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to do what you folks have done at asana well it's something that inspired me uh, because a lot of this has been done before my time at asana and so that's certainly inspired me to consider joining asana but really i think the way the company its mission is that's really where it starts right so asana's mission is all about uh having helping humanity thrive by enabling world's teams uh to be more to work more effort effortlessly together right and it's a lofty mission right uh and and as missions should be so really when you start from a customer standpoint on how can you enable empower benefit the customer and 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 if everything that you do is from that lens i think that's that's how it really starts wherein you're truly trying to understand the customer pain point and how you're going to serve and, and 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 improve the customer's day in a life of um if you if you start from that mindset i think you're starting on the right foot clearly there's a ton more for you to do and um it's sort of obvious as as vijay you're saying that every company aspires to do that or needs to do that 
as a CIO who uh, looks at a lot of such vendors and companies, I am still very surprised that a lot of companies are not able to get that. So, um, and there are some that that are, and those are clearly standing out. And and to me, really, it's about workers today, um, millennial, Gen Z, all of these workers today. They've they experience uh, in their day to day personal lives an experience through the the companies or products that they they experience a very different experience and and when they come to their work they they don't get that experience so the companies that are able to sort of give them that kind of experience are going to be successful um and 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 really as i said men, uh, mentioned earlier it starts from that customer lens trying to build that empathy trying to understand truly what the customer is trying to do and then applying that design thinking design mindset to help solve for it. So you're saying it, it has to be part of the mission of the company, the, the the vision for the product has to be sort of, it starts from there, right? Totally. I mean, I think it starts from there and then everything that you do from there on, uh, that customer empathy, that customer appreciation, it really starts from there. Right. And that empathy you're talking about with respect to Asana's work management platform, it's really about streamlining the work processes of, of these teams, optimizing their uh, productivity, can you tell us a little bit more about the vision that you have in the platform that you're building? Uh, you know, centered around you know many of these buzzwords we're hearing today, like automation and and AI. Totally. Again, this was one big reason why I decided to come join Asana in this journey, because again, as an IT leader, as a CIO, I've had the experience, and a lot of my peers will share this uh, experience as well, where from a from a function that we have, we're tasked to run large cross-functional programs. And, and we're at a vantage point wherein we understand what every function within the company is trying to do. Anytime you have to run or execute large cross-functional programs, it is hard. It is really hard. When things are, are managed and done just within a function, I think it's still manageable. But when things start going across functions, it becomes really hard. And increasingly, uh, we've done some research around this area. We find that increasingly more and more work is done cross-functionally. That's where in platforms like Asana stand tall, right? Um, in, the, in the past, when, as I mentioned, when we've had to do these large transformations, it's been very hard and the chances of success is rather low. Also, being able to not being able to connect the strategic goal with the initiatives or for even for the workers, the work that they do with what's moving the needle for the company. These are the, these are the reasons why I think someone should consider an Asana-like platform. It's, it's, it's a work management platform wherein you're able to connect your strategic goals for the company with the actual initiatives and the work that needs to make those that strategic goal come true. And also for the people who are actually doing the work, how does their work ladder up to the strategic goals of the company? And then the, obviously there's the automation around workflows and stuff, program management, portfolio management. These are hard problems to solve. There are many players trying to do that. I'm just inspired and motivated by how Asana is going about doing that. There's interesting parallels to what you said uh, in analytics where we talk about this all the time where um, you know, oftentimes in 
in in product analytics in particular, where a product manager may be looking at a feature usage, for example, right? And uh, it's a very narrow, siloed view. It doesn't um, capture what impact this has on the top level business metrics, right? It's often disconnected, and it's sort of similar to what you're saying. The the foot soldier that's working on certain tasks has to know how this impacts sort of the you know the top level metrics that the CEO is looking at, right? And so so there's a lot of parallels. And and the other thing you said about going uh, across department, you know, across different uh, different functions in the company, um, you know, and what we're saying, and you probably are saying this to Asana, in product-led companies, SaaS companies, um, deep understanding of business metrics around product usage, customer behavior, it's not just for one function. It's for everybody, right? Every function needs to care about a product, marketing, support, uh, customer success. All of them have to be looking at it. And um, and and I think the beauty of Asana is it's all of that happens in one single platform. Right? It's, it's a cohesive single platform. And when you have all of that data on one platform, the kind of intelligence that you're again able to provide back to the customer. So Asana, like obviously every other company, is doubling down on the AI capabilities. And so now we have Asana Intelligence, wherein we're able to successfully show to the customer how their teams are collaborating, how where they are uh, over-coordinating, over-collaborating, where they're under-collaborating, where they're right-sized collab- there's right-sized collaboration. And those insights are very compelling for them to drive greater productivity as well. I love that term, right-sized collaboration. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, uh, to that point, Thomas, there's a fair bit of research that Asana does, uh, and and there's a work innovation lab that we have, and they 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 talk about c- collaboration over collaboration is bad, under collaboration is bad, and there's a, there's a right amount of collaboration that's necessary for teams to be highly productive, high performing, and uh, if you've not seen that, I'd, I'd encourage you to see that. Yeah, there's certainly crossover to that concept in in the analytics world. I actually want to double down on that a little bit here. I uh, would love to understand how at Asana, let's say a product manager or growth manager, if they want to understand the impact of, um, let's say, onboarding of a new feature um, and how that impacts a business level metric like revenue and subscriptions from, let's say, Asana's premium to your business tier. What does that process look like today? Um, in, in terms of like over collaborating or under collaborating, do you have data engineers or analysts who are, um, you know, sought out to build new reports or do you have your product and growth teams able to self-serve any of this analytics on their own? I think it's a combination. Um, but certainly, um, we, our product managers, our growth managers rely heavily on data to see uh, data on how our customers are using our platform. How frequently are they using? What capabilities are they using? Right? Which capabilities are resonating more with them and which are resonating less with them? And that sort of informs in large part how we sort of decide to go about our product roadmap as well. Um, and 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 yes, so they there's enough self-service that happens, but there are times wherein they rely on data scientists to build models and experimentation and all of that stuff to to see what's working and what's what's not working. And what are some of the tools that they use? Are they, you know, in building these in SQL or obviously Tableau is a very uh, popular self-service visualization tool. What, what's in their toolkit today? So it's a combination of build, build and buy on our end as well. Um, in terms of the tools that we use, we certainly use Tableau across the board. Um, we've got Snowflake, um, 
that, that we use for enterprise data. There's, uh, there are a bunch of other tools, Airflow and stuff for orchestration and stuff. And then we've got data engineers, we've got analytics teams, we've got the traditional sort of BI kind of talent as well. You've got data scientists uh, who are understanding product uses. There are data scientists who are trying to understand and guide how we run our business as well. So there's sort of a, a well-thought-out way of how we leverage data to drive uh, the company forward. So it sounds like you have a very deep stack uh, of which some self-service capabilities are provided. Now, this presents you know a lot of debates and, and debates that have happened over the years with CIOs, right? This concept of shadow IT, right? As you have your business units out there procuring uh, their own software for their own needs. What are some of the challenges of shadow IT? And in, in your opinion, how should a data leader or CIO like yourself think about effectively supporting all of these um, tools that are proliferating out in the line of business? There's a reason why shadow IT happens, right? I'm, I'm not the one to say that shadow IT is just bad, right? Uh, there's a, if there's a gap that need, that's not being met, someone needs to go solve for that problem, right? If the CI function or the IT function or the data function is not solving for the need, absolutely someone needs to go and solve for that problem. But again, as a CI function, it's important that we provide the necessary guardrails where things just don't go haywire, right? From a security standpoint, from a compliance standpoint, from a privacy standpoint, we, we are the ones who need to start thinking about that and provide that guidance to our teams. Also, um, especially around data, data governance is huge. Data quality is huge. If, if you allow things to just mushroom on their own without any sort of central governance, then uh, uh, that data could just become so messy for you that one team's talking about something else and another team looking at the same definitions, getting some other numbers, right? So uh, creating the right level of data governance and, uh, uh, as I mentioned, those checks and balances around the security compliance, I think is the important step. And I'm not the one to say that everything should be centralized. Uh, there are certainly needs where things should be decentralized and enough self-service awa made available so that people who can uh, uh, build on their own, and that certainly gives you greater velocity as a company. So we're not the ones to say that, let's just rein everything in, uh, but just do put in enough controls and checks. So what you just said, Saket, um, um, has a lot of relevance to um, the explosion of SaaS, SaaS tools today. Right, SaaS took off two decades ago, and and the first generation of SaaS business applications were vertically integrated. You get everything right from your database all the way to the front end user interface, um, and uh, it's 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 useful. I, I just it's a one stop shop. I you know marketing team signs up for this SaaS service, and it's completely self sufficient, and they get the job done. Um, but then there is hundreds of these things in an enterprise. Even a small startup like us, we use probably like, you know, t Tom alone uses probably 20 different SaaS tools in marketing. And a company like Asana probably has hundreds of... Uh, Thomas is running his own shadow IT. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got typically, you know, marketing, web analytics, product analytics, you know, it tends to be business controlled, business managed. Uh, and they're very useful tools, but there is just an explosion of these. And when you want to do analytics across all of these, it's a, it's a challenge. There's also the data governance, privacy, security challenges. So how should data leaders be thinking about this? Because this is just reality. There are hundreds of SaaS services that a company needs to to operate. Yeah, I, I do believe, uh, I, I concur with you, Vijay, there that 
best of breed there is a there's a place for best of breed uh, there was a need for best of breed the platforms of yesteryears could not serve the the niche needs of some use cases and functions and that's why best of breed uh, came about but we we all might have sort of over indexed and gone to the uh, towards the other extreme in 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 this journey of best of breed so i i believe that a central function like the cio the data officer the digital officer needs to have control in limiting that sprawl um it's important to standardize on a few platforms and yet look for areas where you need to go towards best of breed because that provides you a strategic differentiation and an advantage that the platforms that you've sent, you've centralized on is not providing but it can just be that anyone and everyone is deciding to use a tool of their own because uh, because that's what appeals to them so so again uh, a function like r should provide enough control uh, and guidance and education uh, to tell people hey you're going out looking for something here there is something already available in our uh sweet and in, in our in our offerings that you should consider as opposed to just going somewhere else because the challenge is as you highlighted vijay is is many fold right your data is now siloed um you you need to start thinking of integrating these so that um if you're not integrating these there's there's so much swivel sharing that someone needs to do just to get a complete answer on anything right if you're trying to just for an example if you're trying to get an understanding of a customer or an account or a user if that complete end to end let's just say a customer 360 sits across multiple tools then you're having to swivel share as a user across multiple that's that's a time suck that's that's a productivity kill right and and so that's where in thinking through from a platform mindset is important and yet if there's a need for best of breed then and the real need for best of breed you might want to consider that that's how i think about it yeah great you mentioned snowflake uh, so clearly cloud data warehouses are emerging as a single source of truth or at least for a large part of being a single source of truth for for data um how are you looking at your data warehouse strategy uh, and how, in terms of being the single source of truth where things come together like what you mentioned if i want to get a 360 degree view of a customer and that data is fragmented in seven different systems potentially if everything is in the data warehouse i could get a better visibility i actually think about data warehouse for more from a single version of truth if you will i i look at those operational systems right where data has been captured um some of that needs to like like a customer master or a product master i would expect one of my uh operational systems to perhaps act as that and then you bring all of those different elements of that asset in the data warehouse so that you have a fuller view and that's how we use it, use it as well right so we've got pipelines that feed data from several of these systems um tools into a data warehouse snowflake in our case and then we create models on top of that and then we visualize for the different use cases but yes the full view of say a customer or a user is certainly maintain and manage within our data warehouse as well. Let's talk a little bit about um warehouse native apps. So uh you mentioned homegrown applications that you've built internally and you know pretty much every large enterprise has a lot of 
homegrown custom applications uh, that are built on uh, built internally. Um, but one interesting trend is a lot of these things are built uh, being built directly on the data warehouse. We've got technologies today that data warehouse vendors are coming out with, uh, where it's easy to build applications um, on top of uh, on top of the data warehouse. It's 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 this concept of bringing the apps to the data versus moving the data to the application, right? Um, and if you look at analytics, if you look at BI systems, for example, they are they, you can think of them as built on top of the of the data warehouse. Like activation uh, should probably be done directly from the warehouse and so on. Um, and you know that's that's how product analytics. We're thinking of product analytics the same way that it's 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 just built right on top of the data warehouse. So, what are your thoughts on the emergence of this warehouse native app uh, uh, concept? There's certainly a lot of promise to it. I mean, uh, uh, we're early in our experimentation in the space as well, uh, but we. Uh, recently rolled out a capability around prospecting for our salespeople, wherein we built uh, an application directly off of Snowflake. Um, and uh, what stood out was the rapid prototype iteration that we were able to do and the time to value. Uh, so, so this required less of piping data into different systems and less of building those integrations and stuff. The data is already there. You're building an application on top of that. And uh, the feedback that we got from the field was uh, was overwhelmingly positive. So that's a good, quick prototype that we put out there. Uh, I think that shows us that there's promise in this and we want to kind of lean in more heavily into this. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you if, if, if you're seeing more of this because this is how you're sort of building your uh, platform on as well. Yeah, I think this is the trend we're seeing. You know, this idea that... Um... You know, you 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 bring everything into the data warehouse, and historically, uh, there is a large class of uh, data that never came to the warehouse. Right, it was only like mission critical data that had an impact on, say, you know, Wall Street reporting or you know, very critical functions of the company. Only those things came to the warehouse, and that too in an aggregated fashion. But today, with Snowflake, you can bring in petabyte scale data. You know, um, uh, some of the customers we have are bringing in, you know. Trillion row event uh, data sets into, into Snowflake, right? And it's possible today, uh, because all you pay is for storage in S3, and that's really, really cheap. And then you, because of the elasticity, um, that these cloud data warehouses offer, you only pay for what, what, what you touch, what you compute, right? Um, uh, and then to your point about, um, quick time to value, right? You know, the minute you start building pipelines and ETL and reverse ETL and data going off from five different places, um, it just takes forever and it's very fragile. Whereas if you're building something like a native application right on top of where the data lives, and even the application itself is living in, in the context of that data warehouse, like, you know, uh, if, if you're thinking of things like Streamlit and uh, on Snowflake, basically it's running, essentially it's running in the database, right? So, uh, so, so the ease of manageability, the, uh, you know, the security privacy issues that don't arise because you're not moving the data. And then the time to value, and that's really the key, what you said, time to value is what, uh, this phenomenal uh, in, in improvement in time to value, right? And that's really how we're architecting our analytics offering. Yeah, in, in our case, uh, we were able to shift delivery from months to weeks, and uh, uh, that clearly sat well with the users who got to gain value from this way sooner. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is we were talking just about shadow IT uh, a moment ago here. 
when we're talking warehouse native apps, this is necessarily a conversation that happens between the data teams as well as the business teams, right? Because you now have a business application that can be endorsed by the data teams because they've been the ones making the investment um, yeah. in the data warehouse. And Snowflake now has this massive directory of applications that are connected apps or Snowflake connected apps. And uh, I wonder if there's a world eventually where um, CIOs can have that same approved vendor list of warehouse native apps that the data team endorses. Absolutely. I can, I can certainly see that. Uh, bottom line is if there's value, if there's security, appropriate controls, roles, role-based access controls, uh, privacy, uh, all of that stuff is taken care of and, and faster time to value that we're talking about, then why not? Uh, I'm familiar with this connected apps con- kind of concept. I've seen other CIOs show me the, uh, some of the work that they've done. Um, I can absolutely see, uh, other CIOs and IT leaders warming up to to that. Second, we w- uh, wanted to double click on something you mentioned briefly around uh, um, bringing more intelligence to your product with AI. Obviously, generative AI is um, top of mind for everybody, and every CIO, CDO, CTO has generative AI initiatives. How are you thinking about it uh, at Asana? I think there are two perspectives to this. One, there's just a whole lot of talk around generative AI, right? Uh, there's It's overwhelming to some extent, uh, but it's a game changer as well, right? So uh, we at Asana, I don't know if we should call ourselves fortunate, but the foundations on which Asana is based on are our, our architecture, what we call the work graph data model, lends itself beautifully to building, creating AI capabilities on top of that. And not every company can say that. So uh, I maybe I shouldn't say fortunate. It was well thought through by our co-founder Dustin Moskowitz and uh, the people who who were here earlier. So um, it sets us up well to make our investments and move forward in this AI journey. So how it helps is we'll be able to again bring AI capabilities faster to uh, our customers because of how our data model is structured. Um, and we've recently launched, as I mentioned, Asana Intelligence, and there's just a ton more uh, work that's happening in the space. Um, and this could be anything around how can we add more productivity and velocity to our customers. Our, our approach to AI has been more human-centered, wherein we're not saying that AI is going to replace humans, but at the end of the day, the accountability sits with humans, right? And AI is here to sort of be that co-pilot, that assistant to uh, the human. So that's from a product standpoint. From a, from an internal um, uh, technology uh, leader perspective, I am staying curious. I'm staying hungry. I'm listening to everything that I'm seeing around uh, that my partners and vendors are doing because I don't want to be going ahead and solving for all of those use cases myself. Where need be, I will, but I'll also want to lean into my partners who, who are also investing in um, generative AI to be brought into their products as well. You mentioned um, the advantage you have with your word graph data model. That's very interesting because anybody today can put out a, a nice demo with generative AI, right? There's, there's, it's become a commodity now in the sense that I can leverage models that are available out there, LLMs, and I can, I can put a nice interface and make an impressive demo. But, but the companies that are going to really, really make it big with generative AI are the ones that have some distinct advantage, like yeah. you described, where that foundationally there are elements in the modeling and in the way you 
structure the application and the data model and the way you're able to provide better context to these prompts for uh, for more effective intelligence. And those are the ones that are probably going to win. So I thought that point you made about uh, the data model advantage you have is very interesting. And really, Vijay, the amount of waste that happens in an employee's work time is uh, surprisingly very high. Again, uh, the, the research that we've done, we find that an average worker spends 50-55% of their time doing work about work, right? And uh, if you have an AI assistant that's able to meaningfully sort of reduce that waste for you, which is how we're thinking about our AI uh, assistant, Asana Intelligence, um, then it's a game changer, right? Um, there's there's just so much more that an individual and teams and companies are able to then do because now they have this Asana intelligence which has all the data that the work data that's being captured on the platform and it's able to provide you with insights and guidance. It's able to now um, make your uh, tactical, even more intelligent things easier for you and then you're able to spend your time doing more strategic stuff. And 55% is work about work that and so that's that's a staggering number and and i i was surprised but then if you kind of give it a little more thought then i'd probably not be as surprised that makes sense half our time is just mundane work just to get the work done yeah that that's why uh the there is a big need so asana is, is really trying to create a new category around collaborative work management right uh this is more than project portfolio program management this is about overall productivity gains that an enterprise can get by managing their work on a platform like Asana. I'm obviously biased, but a believer now, and uh, our customers tell us how meaningfully they've benefited when they leverage a platform uh, like Asana. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Uh, the future of work uh, is certainly much more collaborative and with AI and automation to uh, eliminate the unnecessary work is really going to be a game changer. And I can certainly uh, attest to my, my, my own personal need uh, to be able to focus on more of the strategic uh, versus all, all the day-to-day -day, uh, execution tasks. All right. Well, you've shared um, many of your predictions here today, and I know that you've written extensively and selflessly provided advice uh, on top strategies for CIOs. Uh, you have a very strong peer network. So maybe we would end with you providing, you know, from a data and analytics leader's perspective, you know, how should we all be thinking about the, the months, uh, if not years ahead? So data analytics is something that's been on a tear for the last several years, right? I mean, there's just so much demand, so much need that you've seen so much innovation happen in the space as well, right? Uh, there's clearly a lot of attention that the VC community, that the startups, you all as well, right, uh, have, have provided to this space. And we're clearly in a much better place. There's more democratization of data. There's easier access and tools for end users to go build on top of and not just have to rely on teams like ours uh, to come to us and ask for uh, for reports and data and all of that stuff, right? So from that perspective, um, I, I see the data, the journey to continue, right? Uh, with the generative AI, massive amounts of data and how can that all sort of be computed and, and provide guidance to users con continues to happen. I am just excited to be sort of on this journey and see how 
we how as data leaders we are able to solve more real problems faster and and drive companies direction in in a more meaningful way great thanks so much for joining us today socket thank you for having me both of you it's been fun talking to both of you all right that was a really fascinating conversation with socket obviously he's got uh, very broad perspectives across industries and and geographies and he's been a cio uh, multiple times over what were some of your key takeaways from today's conversation vijay yeah one interesting thing uh, th- that I, uh, I that got me thinking was this idea of building <clears throat> warehouse native apps uh, you know he was talking about experimentation that they did building in house uh, application for a sitting directly on top of snowflake and probably using the streamlit technology snowflake has um and i think that's that's an interesting trend i, I think we're going to see more of this and uh, it's good validation that that uh, this is sort of uh, how cios are thinking about it and and you brought up a great point about potentially being in a world where uh the the cios will only approve uh certified warehouse native applications to be used by the business because it comes with certain guarantees of security privacy you know no data copies and efficiency and 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 governed uh, self service access so so i thought um his um mention of the work that uh, they're doing is is a sign of a trend in the market mm-hmm. yeah in fact that you know really dovetails nicely into this concept that every CIO has to think about of build versus buy best of breed and i thought he gave a very interesting perspective that you need to have a bit of a platform bias to this right we've over indexed on the 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 best of breed and we have proliferation of so many different point solutions out there if you can take a step back and standardize on a few platforms snowflake data warehouse probably being one of that them as a new foundation for things then you can use your best of breed investments for that strategic differentiation i thought that was a really valuable piece of advice that he left our viewers with yeah and he talked about time to value which is really ultimately that's the key right you know and 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 the less data movement you have to do and more you can do directly uh, on top of uh, the system that holds the data the 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 faster time to value and that's really key for enterprises you know you need quick time to value for your business one other thing um you know what he said about 55% of what people do every day you know is is wasted right every knowledge worker spends you know half their time doing uh, work about work <laughs> so <laughs> um so i think uh, that's area obviously generative ai is going to have a huge impact and uh, and asana seems to be well set up to uh, take advantage of that All right, that concludes today's show. Thank you for joining us and feel free to reach out to Vijay or I on LinkedIn or Twitter with any questions or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, goodbye.